Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com, where we cover everything, fantasy, reality, and even a little sports betting. Joe and I are here every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. If you're just tuning in right now, make sure you catch us every single day right here at this time. And also don't forget, you can watch us on a lot of the different streaming apps, which would include Pluto TV, Zumo TV, and Stir. Not to mention all of the audio apps, including iTunes or Android, the Google Play Store. However you listen to your audio, you can just listen to that as well. Uh, the NFL is still a little bit of a ways away, but Joe and I each day are taking a look at a couple of different futures odds to see if there's anything that kind of piques our interest as we go along here. And we covered a couple of teams yesterday that were uh, one on the rise, maybe one on the decline, kind of hard to say. I mean, the Bears, you never know. I mean, the team could surprise. But I think clearly the two teams that we're covering today are entering what would be, I guess, perceived as a rebuild mode. And that's the dynamic in the NFL that's that's kind of hard to identify because, as we know, Miami was in rebuild mode last year, but they certainly didn't show that. Uh, you know, Cincinnati is the first team that we're going to discuss today, and by most accounts, I think people expect them to lose a lot of games like they did last year. But then again, we don't know exactly what Joe Burrow is going to be. And so um, it's an interesting dynamic for every team. I, I think the only team, Joe, that I go into 2020 that I know that doesn't want to win and I say that facetiously because realistically they can, but the only team to me that is a definitive we are uh, tearing it down is Jacksonville. That's the only mm-hmm. team that I look at and I say, they're not making the playoffs. They could still win six games. I'm not doing that again. I'm not going down that road again this year. They're not going to be good, meaning 6-10, and 5-11, and 4-12, maybe 1-16, and 1-15, however many games they're playing this year. Uh, but beyond that, I, I give every other team a chance. Yeah, I mean, the Jets are chasing them in terms of uh, not having a great roster, more injuries, too, a couple other guys are on they, the puck but do today. They, but do the Jets Are think? they intentionally? No, because they have yeah, Darnold, right. and they, they don't think They're it. trying to win. They're trying to win. Jacksonville are, is not trying to win. Try, though they may, they probably they will, will not. not. I agree with uh, you. But the Bengals are an interesting one because the Bengals, this is a fun fact here, uh, no team has ever uh, been had a lead in as many games in a season as the Bengals had, and won so few games it's never happened before Well, that would mean they're going to win a lot more next year well and that's why i'm looking at this number you've got here which is five and a half and it's a very intriguing number because we've all seen what the injection of a very exciting franchise quarterback can do and joe burrow i think is we'd probably agree is the definition of that so he's got ready-made weapons too it's very rare that you have again if healthy there's a caveat there if he's healthy a healthy A.J. Green is a Pro Bowl-worthy wide receiver. Joe Mixon is one of the top 10 running backs in football if he doesn't hold out for the entire season and plays. So if these guys actually all show up and show out, the Bengals could be a very sneaky team because the Pittsburgh Steelers have shown, although they still have you know a lot of talent on the defensive side, uh, you know we'll see how Roethlisberger bounces back from that injury. He says he feels great. That's great. Let's see it. Uh, I would think that, you know, you're all looking up at the Ravens, obviously, in this division without a doubt. But I think that the Bengals are could, could be sneaky competitive. And if they won six games, that would not be a shocker to me. 
All right, so let's take a look at their total for 2020. And as Joe alluded to, it is five and a half, and the over is leaning at minus 130. So you're risking 130 to win 100, for those of you who don't know betting, which is fine. Uh, under five and a half, plus 110. So 100 to make 110, which is the better value there. But wonder if it's the better pick. And then realistically speaking, I don't think they have any chance to win the AFC Championship at 70 to 1, but you never know with a dart. Uh, I mean, maybe you know, they'd have they, to keep They have Baltimore. no chance for a championship or they, or they don't have a, I don't even think they have a chance for a division at 26 and 1. Probably no not. way. There's too many holes in that. But I think the number, you know, I, I actually think five and a half, I think a lot of people are going to see that easy 110, that plus 110 and take the under because that's ah, the Bengals. They won one game. But we've seen it before. We've seen teams, they, they have this injection of a quarterback. And it changes the whole culture. And I think Zach Taylor is a smart guy. And I, I think he has potential there. And I think in a way, it was kind of good for Andy Dalton to move on to because not that there was any question who was going to start, but I think being able to say in the locker room, Craig, here, this is your team, Joe Burrow. I think that's important because Andy Dalton's been there a very long time. And I think a transition like that to from a guy who's been there for such a long time to have a young quarterback come in and then he's the leader in the locker room. Well, it's really hard to be a leader as a rookie, but as a quarterback, you have no choice. Right. So I don't know about you, but I think that was actually a really positive step for Joe Burrow and company to say, hey, this is the guy. He is your guy now. I understand Andy Dalton got you to a lot of playoff games. He didn't win any, but he got you there. It's not his locker room. It's not his team. It's not his huddle. It's Joe Burrow. So I actually think that's a big positive for him going forward. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting to see because Burrow, for me, is the key to this, whether or not mm-hmm. they get over this number, five and a half, because without him, they're probably right back where they were last year. Maybe you brought up a good point, though. If, if you lose a lot of close games the year before, you usually win. Like Detroit was that team last year. We talked about that during football season. I'll, if I'm going to... I don't think I'm ever betting a total ever again after what happened last year, but if I was <laughs> going to, it would be over on Detroit. Uh, that being said, Cincinnati plays into that same mold where you usually, that evens out. But for me, I've only seen Burrow do it one year, you know? And so it's it, a lot it's of It's these- very difficult, I, and I get that. I mean, especially because he had bounced around beforehand. So it really he, did kind of come out of nowhere. He really wasn't that good. I know. So, so I, was it the system? It's hard for me. Was I it don't the know. surrounding talent? Was it confidence? Was it all of the above? And was it enough to all click and then go on? I mean, I'm trying to think, Craig. You're, you are a much more college football aficionado than I am. Has there ever been a guy to come out of nowhere, have a transcendent college season like this one year? Yeah, and, and the guy then, the year before. <laughs> and not perform well in the NFL. Oh, and not perform in the NFL. That was, my, that was the next uh, thing. Yeah, Russell. Jamarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. Well... Yeah. He had a lot of other issues. I don't oh, think Burrow I mean, has those issues. Oh, well, we don't know anything about any. Well, I mean, if the, well, listen, least, if the Raiders didn't, the Raiders didn't committed know to taking care of him first. I'm saying committed to taking care of yourself. You know, yeah, but just, that's the Ra- if the Raiders didn't think he was committed to carrying himself, they wouldn't have taken him. First I don't know. The Raiders love the whole renegade attitude. You know, they that that's the one place where they kind of they indulge the renegade mindset. You know, I don't think Joe Burrow's the renegade mindset. I think. He's a guy. The guy the Jets took a couple of years ago. They didn't take him high, but he only had one good year, and he wasn't that good. Hackenberg, that guy was not good. Oh, Christian Hackenberg. Yeah, well, he wasn't a grad. Wasn't a. a no, he wasn't. He, he wasn't a record breaking quarterback. But, I mean, they're talking like number one. It turned out to be not good. I mean, there haven't been many that have been just one year and been taken that high. But ironically, we've had it two years in a row. That's the weirdest part, because Kyler Murray was a nothing as a, as a junior. Nothing. Right. 
And and I and I think Kyler Murray kind of laid the groundwork for Joe Burrow for, for him being first without a doubt. And, yeah. and Kyler Murray was pretty good last year in the NFL. I still believe Tua will be better than Burrow. You know, that's I a really that. I believe, and I believe Trevor Lawrence will be better than both of them. I wonder. Do you believe Tua will be better than Kyler Murray too? Um, he just got a hell of a toy. <laughs> the Andre I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I think Murray's in a better spot right now. I think Murray and, and Tua has some possibilities with the with the injuries there. You know what? I don't. If, I don't love Murray's decision making, but I. But I gotta. I, I can't. If Tua, I've never seen Tua play it down. You know, if if Tua ends up having a better career than Burrow, it would not be shocking. It wouldn't be. But I mean, I. It's it's funny because I think all year we were waiting for the shoe to drop with Joe Burrow and it never did. Like it just never did. And then when he goes to the national championship game and they just no, blow the door. He had one of the best seasons of all time. Right. So and I think you're so and I, I had never seen him before not, then. Had, let's say he let's say he completely wet the bed in that game. Let's say national championship, all eyes on him. He still would have been the first pick. touchdowns. He still still yes. would have been first overall, no matter what. Been. Wouldn't have been yeah. two in the conversation. Had two and knocked out because of the oh no, two would have been number one. Yeah. With the injury, the injury derailed two. So if, if Tua was healthy and Burrow still put up the 60 touchdowns, Tua would Tua have been still... the second pick. Okay. But he would not have gone one, you don't think, to the Bengals. No, but, because Burrow played too well in that championship game. Well, that was my question. If, if Burrow had a bad championship game and Tua... And Tua was healthy, then Tua would have been one. Very interesting. Yeah, I, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I'm rooting for Tua because I'm a big fan of his. And I like Burrow, too. I mean, Burrow seems to have hit it. In, look, he had a great coach you with him. You and I both know talent... Talent doesn't always show up until it's in the right system in the NFL or or in college for that matter. Yeah. So well, much of it is not talent. It's about talent in the right place. Well, his coach, uh, Brady, is now with the next team that we're going to talk about here, ironically. That's the Carolina Panthers. And their season win total is five and a half. The over is minus 130. So there's some juice on that. The under is the same, five and a half plus 110, just like the team we just talked about in Cincinnati. The odds to win the NFC South, a lot less, 14 to 1. And the odds to win the NFC Championship are 34 to 1. And this is a little one, a bizarre one to me. They gave Matt Rule a five-year deal. So I don't think there's any pressure on, on him to win this year. I only see, like, two good players on this team. I, I don't get why this number is five and a half. Uh, I feel like they've set up the Panthers to sort of go into a little bit of a rebuild here for a year or two. But, uh, look, they're leaning toward the over here. Once you get to six or seven wins in the NFL, you're basically a, a mediocre team, which is – which is not bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's it's certainly not going to be the easiest division because you're looking up at the Saints, you're looking up at the Bucks now with Brady. So we'll see how that goes. But but the, you know when you're looking at this team right now, this is also a fun fact that uh, they're the only team in NFL history to use all of their picks on the defensive side of the football in the NFL draft. So this is a team that lost Luke Kuechly year over year. This is a team that had some holes defensively. How about and, the quarterback? Well, and the quarterback, too. But I think the, the it starts with the defense. The defense is going to be very young. Talented, but young. So it'll be fascinating. They could work one of two ways. Either they're going to have some rough learning curve, or they're going to come on like gangbusters and shock the world and obliterate this five and a half and win seven or eight games. That, that could very well happen. Um, I think we're probably more looking at they're going to win somewhere around five or six, and this is kind of a stay-away number because under. of that. Yeah, I, I, I do like Teddy Bridgewater being there, though. I, I'm I think, not sure about that. I think it's a good fit, and I'll tell you why. I think that what you want is somebody who's not going to turn the ball over, and, and I think that's number one. And number two, if you are going to give him Christian McCaffrey, if you're going to give him a deep threat, even though he doesn't throw a great 
deep ball in Robbie Anderson. And then DJ Moore, who I think is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him because you I know was how offered, much I love him. You I was know? offered him in a dynasty league for two first round picks. I said no. For two first round picks this year? One uh, this year, one next year. It's tough. If I had a win now roster, I would do it because I, I like don't to... have a win now roster. Well, I never, I, would... I never have a win now roster. No, and that's why. Uh, well, we got to fix that. We got to get you the black book uh, June first. You never want to prepare. Maybe you got nothing but time on your hands. No, Maybe finally we'll start prepping you in June football. and July for football, and then you Matumbo. can have a win now roster. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you gave me the matumbo. But anyway, real quick here, DJ Moore. I think complimenting with Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. There's a unique opportunity here for Teddy Bridgewater to be successful. And I think because you said it, there's no pressure here on anybody. I think sometimes when there's no pressure, that's when teams can come out of nowhere. The problem is it's a very, very young defense. So it's going to be sink or swim. I don't think this is a mediocre, like, you know, kind of scenario. They're either going to get it right away or they're going to fall flat on their face and be very underwhelming. So it'll be fascinating to watch. But I think they're building in the right direction at the very least over there in Carolina. I, I, would, I would probably not touch Cincinnati, but I would but- – I would lean over and then I would lean under on Carolina. Uh, okay, we'll uh, be right back on Fantasy Sports today. We got to take a quick time out. Plenty more to come. Stadium tour and iconic players there to rub up the way. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's time for us to dive into a couple of franchises, a couple of stadiums, and tell you where the best players lie on those teams. Uh, Joe, before this started, do you recall, the, people ask this question, I think, on social media, do you recall the last sporting event or the last stadium that you went to before this hit? Hmm, that's very interesting. I don't get out much, Craig. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to think. You know what? Um... Hmm, that's really interesting. Uh, well, I mean, I go to a lot of wrestling events, so I guess that qualifies. Okay. So sort of, uh, yeah. last time I was at Madison Square Garden for uh, for the post-holiday show that my kids and I always go to every year, day after Christmas. WWE comes in, does a huge show in the garden. They're home away from home, and uh, it's our tradition, and we go every year. But that's probably the last one. That's probably the last time I've been out for a sporting event because, you know, I'm not the biggest basketball guy and baseball hadn't started yet, so that's it. How about you? When's the last thing you've been to? You uh, have well, spring training at least. Yeah, I mean, right before spring training ended, yeah. Yeah, yeah me, well, what's me, the last and Joe, me and Joe what's Ranieri last, were there. What's the last indoor you've been to? What's the last one? Does the Marlins Park count or no? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so you and Joe Ranieri hanging out, smoking cigars at spring training. We were, that's the, yeah, we were there for, for a game doing a preview of uh, – I think we were so – I don't even remember what – we were there for the Yankees. It was Yankees-Marlins game, and then the next week, that was it. I mean, what am I saying the next week? It was two days later. That was it. <laughs> yeah. It did kind of uh, – the hammer came down pretty quick. It did. You know? I don't even like talking about it. I'm so sad about about all that. But as far as, like, a, a NBA game, man, I haven't been to a Heat game probably in three years, I would say. Yeah, I haven't been to a professional basketball game since – I think 2000 and again, we're, we're, I'm dating myself here. 2000 and 
five, two thousand six, maybe something like that. It's yeah, been a very long that time. Is a, that is that is a while. Very long. Well, basketball is not the cheapest thing to go to around the. No, parts. that's true. That's <laughs> you true. know, and that when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, that's not the easiest place to get to from Jersey. So. It's like, uh, you know, you could go in, you can see a game at the Garden, but then you have to watch the Knicks. And, uh, that's not necessarily what anybody wants. To yeah, I, I, I've been to so many that it's not as important to me as it used to, but I still uh, crave to be able to go back and, and look, I go to 100 baseball games every year. Well, I, I don't know if it's me getting old, but, like, even NFL, like, people offer me tickets and stuff. I say, eh, I'd rather NFL, watch NFL. I pass every time. I pass every time too, and I love college football. I would go, and I would go to NBA, and I would go to college basketball, and I would go to baseball every every time. But NFL is not a sport anymore. Too much doubt. And and not only that, but it's like you know, it's weird without the announcers. You don't really know what's going on. You don't get to watch all the games at once. I can't just flip to another game. That's the other thing too is doing what we do. That not being able to like get in and (laughs) out of games is now it's no good there. And and I and I am continuously on strike until the Mets actually sell the team to go back to City Field. So, cause that's how mad I am at the Will Pond. So not that they care, they don't care at all. So uh, I'm waiting for A-Rod out. and J-Rod. They reached out before the show. Oh, oh, finally, good. You tell them, you tell them I oh, said I that uh, J-Lo and A-Rod are coming and they, they've got a whole bag of money with them. I'll let them know. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get started today. We're gonna start off with T-Mobile Park in Seattle. This is essentially what some people would call the quote, new uh, arena. The new stadium that the Mariners are playing in, they opened up in 1999. The Mariners were, as Joe mentioned, in 95, 96, 97, 98, they had that little run, and then they moved into the new place. They never quite had the success that they did in the mid-90s, but I don't even think we want to get into the 80s with Seattle or even the late 70s. The kingdom years. Oh, my goodness. Not good. Uh, Alvin Davis. That was the lone bright spot, I feel like. And you had... uh, The 80s. Oh, Gosh, I'm trying to remember some of the other guys. I mean, it, it was bad. It was bad. The 80s Mariners were, were not a good baseball team. I mean, Mark the 70s Langston. Mark Langston, some moments there. Harold Reynolds, you know, good second Maybe baseman there. Yeah, uh, Jay Buhner. Uh, well, Jay Buhner was part of the better team. Oh, yeah, that's true. He was in the 90s. Jay Buhner was on the 95 team. So uh, I think that's that's the shift. I remember this specifically. This is about the time when I started playing fantasy baseball. It was about this time in the mid-90s. And I remember – when we got the uh, the field switch, and I remember it affecting Ken Griffey Jr. People forget, Ken Griffey Jr. did not have the greatest transition to that new ballpark, and then he was gone, I think, the next year? He was. Right? So that was kind of like, why? Why did we do this? Like, he's your player. What what are you doing? Why did you make the ballpark not play to his strength? He's, he's one of the greatest players of all time. And they had this this cavernous right center field, and, and he was his numbers went way down. And it was kind of a bummer, but that was the transition into the Alex Rodriguez, then Ichiro uh, Mariners, and some great teams there. I'm trying to remember what this park was called initially, because after the Safeco, thank you very much, Safeco Field. I I was just drawing a blank there for a second. It was called Safeco up until, I believe, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. I just could not remember when you said I couldn't get the T-Mobile one out of my head for some reason, but um, certainly some great moments there including the 111 wins, right, that one season in 2001. But, I mean, uh, just not getting that championship there. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, are they the only franchise in Major League Baseball to not have a World Series appearance now? Mm, Could be right. I want to say they are. There's a couple that don't have a win, uh, like a, a World Series title, I should say. But I think the Mariners are the only team in Major League Baseball that doesn't have a World Series appearance. That's right. Because even the Rays have one now. Yeah, the Rays did. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, if you're the Mariners, I mean, 
you ask them why the Supersonics left. There's your answer. They're just sad. Everyone's just sad out there in Seattle. They're miserable because they got no titles except the Seahawks. <laughs> All right, so here are the all-time great players since 1999 on Seattle. And, uh, and look, the only player that's really missing from this is Randy Johnson, who played in the old building and, uh, and then was, uh, had moved on from this point. Remember, Randy Johnson was a free agent. The year before he was a free agent, they shipped him to Houston. Um, ends up pitching great for Houston, goes to the playoffs, yep. and then goes to Arizona, wins the World Series. Uh, so, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., even though he only played a year or two in this uh, new building, I still got to put him on there because he was he still had a monster season, I believe, in 99 when he was there. Uh, same goes for A-Rod. A-Rod only played a couple of years, too, before they shipped him off to the Texas Rangers, and Texas gave him that massive contract. Now, Edgar Martinez had you know put in a lot of time with Seattle, of course, and now is a coach with them as well. He, by all accounts, he probably could be number one on this list. Um, he, this is sort of the, the, the house that Ichiro built, fair yeah. to say, from 2001 all the way to about 2012 or 13. He was with the Mariners. And then Felix Hernandez carried that torch as their sure top did. starting pitcher and the top fantasy pitcher for a number of years as well. Yeah, Ichiro, I mean, mentioned it, talked about it, got a little debate the other day. Ichiro is my hit king. I mean, I've never seen anybody do what he did. Um, the speed, the arm from right field, uh, just he still had it too. I mean, even in the older days too, he would every now and then he would just uncork one from right field and throw it on a fly on a line drive to third base. Just an incredible arm, incredible athlete. He made everything look so damn easy too. And when a guy comes into the league and has, I don't know, what, like five or six 200 hit seasons in a row – that's incredible. And then he's stealing 30 bases on top of that. He's winning batting titles. More than that. Yeah, he was great, great stolen base guy. I mean, the guy was just the guy was just a monstrous player. He really was. And and I feel fortunate we got to see him. I wish we had seen more of him. And I wish we had seen more of Felix Hernandez because this is a guy too. Oh, he had a great long career. He no? did. Well, he had a long career. He had a great half of a career. And then it really did kind of fall apart. I mean, if you look at the Felix Hernandez years, there's a great peak of like five years. And then it kind of just, I don't know if it was injuries or, or what, what happened, but he did not have that second leap of a, well, of a Joe, pitching. how many pitchers can do that? Anyway? Not a lot, but there's not a lot of pitchers as good as Felix Hernandez who don't. Is he a and Hall I, of Famer? No, absolutely no? not. Wow. Then who I, is a Hall of Famer? Well, I mean, I mean, we we could do it. I mean, let's 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 do it because it's it's fun to do because I think when you look at Felix Hernandez, you automatically think of the high points, but I think you forget some of the low points in some of the years that he had and these last couple of years especially. I understand the last two years have not been good. Well, the last two years, but even more of that. I mean, the guy was incredibly durable. That's the one thing you could say about it. He went out what, there. What pitchers that are pitching right now in Major League Baseball are Hall of Famers? Uh. Justin Verlander, definitely one. Um, uh, well, DeGrom's certainly building that resume. Yeah, but come on. I mean, I'm just saying, he's built, got a couple I mean, of DeGrom, If DeGrom falls apart, it's the same thing as Felix Hernandez. Well, and, and you're not wrong there. But uh, going through here, uh, guy was making 30 starts every year. But, again, the win totals were always difficult to come by. If you look at the ERA, he had a great run there where he's putting 249 ERA, 227. Then it jumps up to 3.47. Then he's back down. He's great. 3.06, 3.04, Then 3.53, 3.82, 4.36, 5.55, 6.40. If 
these last six years here have not been good for Felix Hernandez. And it's funny because it came at a time where most people were at their peak, age 29 to 31, and those were where he's, his decline really started. So right. it's, a, it's a tale of but two again, halves. I'm, but my point is that you're, you're kind of making for me is that if we're having such a hard time picking pitchers out, the answer can't be just Verlander, Kershaw, and CeCe. That can't be it. There's got to be more. Well, uh, Kershaw, definitely Hall of Famer. Um uh, like I'm just trying to think fantasy draft. Well, I mean, Kershaw, Verlander, CC Sabathia are the pillars. Just on, yeah. Um, you and know, beyond we'll that, what, well, yeah. I mean, we'll see what Garrett Cole becomes here. I no, mean, I'm, no, I'm just right I'm not saying now, he's not. Right, right now, now, Joe, don't right tell right me now. You only we'll got see. a couple. Yeah, it's Verlander. Oh, Scherzer. Well, I knew there was another one. I knew there was. I couldn't access Scherzer, Kershaw, Probably. Verlander, Bumgarner has great postseasons, but I don't know if you can make him a whole. Bumgarner's in for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we can put Chris Sale there yet. That's another guy too. I don't think we can get there. Um, but I think I think that's it right now. The, off the top of my head, or that I'm trying to like look real fast on. The only other one that's that's getting there is Granky, getting close. Well, it's, I thought you were gonna laugh at me when I said Granky because well, Granky, when you look at the when you look at the overall the body of work of Zach Granky, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very consistent. He does have a Cy Young. Uh, the problem is right now pitching is very young, too. You've got a lot of these other guys that are coming up, the Paddocks of the world, the Walker Buehlers of the world. So we'll see what happens with the rest of those guys. But you're right. There's a handful of Hall of Famers, I think, generally speaking. But right now, pitching-wise, it's harder think, to find. I think what you have to do is you have to lower the bar for pitchers. I think that's what you have to do in the Hall of Fame. I, you're not well, getting any – and no one's winning 300 again. 300 wins anymore. So, so what's the new threshold? 200 wins? Or the wins not even count? Nobody cares anymore. Uh, I, I, I don't right? think no yeah. one cares anymore, but I don't think that it's nearly as important. Well, that's a pretty good handful. Scherzer, Verlander, Kershaw. Those are pretty good guys, and some other guys on the peripheral there that, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, Bumgarner was so good in those playoff runs. I don't know if he's, he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he will get in eventually. It's two World Series championships and pitched from the fourth all the way to the ninth. I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but then that's one game. I mean, the body of work is very good. Madison not, Bumgarner? Madison Bumgarner was very good. I think he's a very good pitcher. Bumgarner, great best pitcher in the league? Eh, maybe once. Was Tom Just Glavin saying. ever the best pitcher in the league? Well, he wasn't the best pitcher on his own team. Don't get me started on Glavin. Glavin's my least favorite think, of those I three. I think Bumgarner's more of a shoe-in than a lot of the other guys you mentioned. I mean, it's, it's all subject to opinion. I think Bumgarner will get in. I don't think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's all. I think you will. All right. And the other the other part of it, the reason I think he will too, is again, I'm setting the bar lower, and I think that we'll value pitchers a lot more. As an example, Mike Messina may never get in the Hall of Fame had the bar not changed. And I think that's, that's fair. Good. That's fair. And I think the bar needs to be adjusted. I think adjusted better than change is even the better way to put it. Yeah. Okay. With that, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more on fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes. Craig Mitch, Joe Pizapia, you got us. Don't go away. Stay on the grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Sports Grid time. It is time to continue our stadium and iconic player tour. 
Uh, fortunately uh, for me, I've had a chance to get to Los Angeles and see some really good football games. I've been to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. I saw a national championship game out there between Miami and Nebraska. But one of the things that I haven't done is I've always been really interested in seeing a basketball game there because, you know, basketball Joe on the West Coast really has made its mark between the Lakers and UCLA and for a few years USC as well and even, uh, you know, some of the other smaller schools that are there. So I think that I don't necessarily have a bucket list anymore. I feel like a lot of the things that I've set out to do as far as media is concerned, I've accomplished as far as covering them. But I definitely uh, get the respect, especially of having John Wooden as the head coach of uh, UCLA and winning for as long as he did. Yeah, I got the bucket list to go to one of those major college football games because me being the you know the stupid city boy, never been to you know the Penn State or the Alabama or right. any of those things, and I went to school in Philadelphia. You know, it's not exactly a college football town either necessarily, uh, but it it would be fun, I think, just to soak up that environment to, uh, just for one day, just the madness of it, and it looks like it's it, the best. It does. It seems like it, and I'm sure I would love it. So if anybody wants to give me tickets or whatever, this is maybe Penn this is the State year I get is to very go. far for you. Penn State's three and a half hours from here. Yeah. So I mean, that's the closest one. It's I think you got to go to an SEC game. Well, I think I, I got to give you a real taste of some South. Who, where, what would it be? Would it be Alabama? Is that is that where you got to uh, go? I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, that's that's like the the pinnacle of it, but. I, I mean, Florida is, is there, too. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I would definitely I mean, like... The, the University of Florida, like, for your speed, is probably... My speed? Cool. What's my speed, Craig Vish? Well, it's not really the South. I need the starter kit for my speed. I see. So you're saying I'm but too... You're a Northern guy. For certain you're other like places. a... You know, you're a Yankee, you know? <laughs> we don't care for you around here. Yeah, Alabama and, uh, and Auburn aren't exactly... <laughs> You know, Kentucky, South Carolina. I don't know, man. I, I seem to get along great with folks from the South because I talk wrestling and other things. I, I, I agree. There's things about the South that scare the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie about that. But I do like barbecue. So I got to say, there's pluses and minuses. I lived in Gainesville, Florida for four and a half years. So I Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But that, that's what I'd like to do. So that's on the Joe Pizapia bucket list. I'm hoping in the next couple of years to check that off because I think it would be fun. I think and, don't, and don't do a championship game, but it's not the same feel. You mean like... You know, it's another the final like, four, yes, but not the uh, you know going to the national championship game and oh, you mean college basketball? No, I'm saying college uh, basketball would work also, but uh, don't think that yeah. you by you going to Dallas to see a college football championship game is going to fit the bill. Like you got to go to a real home. Oh game. no, that I want the home environment. I want all the weird chants and all the weird rituals and all the nonsense. Yeah, I want I want it all. Yeah, that's that's where I'm going. Okay, that's fun. All right, so uh, our stadium tour continues with UCLA, and we're going to check in on UCLA Poly Pavilion, which opened up in 1965, home of the UCLA Bruins. Hard to believe that this number is correct. Ten college basketball championships, 11 total. And before we get into the players, Joe, like, the, like college basketball synonymous with UCLA for such a long period of time. They're trying to bring it back now. But at the mecca of it all was John Wooden. And before there was Phil Jackson and before there was Zen, it was the pyramid of success with John Wooden and all the things that he came up with, the book writing that he did. He was just a different kind of guy. He always got the best out of his players. 
I don't know that Wooden would be able to coach the guys today. I'm not sure about that. But back when he did, he got the most out of his guys. He certainly did. I mean, talk about iconic coaches in their game or just iconic coaches in American sports history. It's John Wooden for sure. I mean, he's definitely one of those. And the amazing thing is you talk about some of these high great thinkers uh, in coaching, Bill Walsh and and his book and and John Wooden and, and some of the great thinkers in coaching that – it's fascinating how basketball kind of pretends to some of them too, because we have, you know, Phil Jackson, another great thinker. There's some great thinkers in the world of basketball, right? Auerbach, another one too. And it's funny because you would look at it and I want to say basketball is a simpler game than the NFL, but certainly a lot less moving parts than the NFL. And it's fascinating to see people get so much out of five players on a roster. And it certainly helps when you have, centers like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton <laughs> certainly helps when you have those kind of guys to win championships. But uh, I remember growing up as a kid, UCLA being a thing and that college being not only big in college basketball, but college football even as well. And it's funny because I feel like as we turn the page into the 2000s, it wasn't quite the same for them. And it's kind of a bummer. And I'd love to see a rebirth there of UCLA because at one point in time, they were a huge college force in multiple sports. Yeah, well, they went, They did win a championship under Steve Lavin and Tyus Edney and Ed O'Bannon and some of those that guys. That was a long time ago, right? That was yeah, it was 20 years. Yeah, so very long time ago for the O'Banion brothers, right? And they were the ones who were kind of on the forefront of getting the likenesses. I think O'Bannon is the name. O'Banion was from Dazed and Confused. <laughs> two, different, two different people there. Well, the O'Banion brothers... Uh, that were they, they were also instrumental in trying to get uh, folks residual money from the athletes. And uh, it paid. looks like they've succeeded. It only took a, bil- a billion years. But. It only took a billion years, but good for them because you know what? A lot of these kids come out of these programs, and some of them have the education, some of them don't. Absolutely. But a lot of them have injuries and a lot of other things, so it'd be nice to compensate them at the very least for the bodies of work that they give and giving over their body for that body work. All right, let's take a look at some of the iconic players of all time. And the picture there, of course, is of Bill Walton, whose college career was decorated player of the year in college for sure, won championships with UCLA. Never quite the same player in the NBA, but was one of the best college basketball players of all time, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Great NBA player for a short period of time. Yes, Uh, Injuries. Injuries, you know, kind of took over. The Bill Walton that I remember seeing as a kid was a clean-shaven Bill Walton with the Celtics. Not quite the same Bill Walton. Limited minutes, but certainly an impactful player on some of those teams. That and one uh, of the, the greatest characters of all time. In yeah, sports and a lot of people. You speaking kind of, of the biopic. Has there ever been a biopic on Bill Walton? No, but there's another wacky guy, right? All the great hippie. I'll take things. that one. You're gonna take that one. And a lot of people are very polarized. Some people love Bill Walton, the commentator. Other people cannot listen How to him. I do not like that guy? I kind of like him too. Did you He's see like, the baseball game he called? That was amazing. No, I did not. I Oh, like that. oh, yes. He did a baseball. He did a White Sox baseball game this past year with Jason wow. Benetti. Yep. No kidding. Wow, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. It was unbelievable. So funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like the character of Bill Walton. I think Bill Walton enjoys the character of Bill Walton. <laughs> you know. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly known as Lou Alcindor, of course, in college. He was Kareem with the Lakers. Uh, we got Bill Walton, as you see there. Reggie Miller. People forgot about him. Played for UCLA. Yeah, I actually oh. forgot. So it's on the list here that he played there. Sidney Wicks. This does not ring a bell. So I will uh, we'll have to defer to the experts on this one. Sidney Wicks, huh? I don't know. I'm thinking about Troy Aikman. <laughs> You're thinking about Sidney Wicks. And, uh, and Ed O'Bannon. But why not Tyus Edney on this list? You gotta uh, Sidney Wicks. I don't know. I, I feel like you're... I, I, you know what? Here's the. Let me give you the truth. Like you're making okay. this the, one the up. Truth, let me give you the truth. 
here, the, the truth is, is that a lot of the stadium tour stuff I do here on the show. But what I like to do is I like to get my producers more involved in the show. And honestly, I, I probably have not done a good enough job of that, of turning some of the content and some of the reins over. So I said, you know what, Brett, go ahead, give me your, your best shot today. And he did, yesterday he did a great job, today he did a great job as well. But yeah. I have no idea who Sidney Wicks is. Yeah. And Tyus Edney is the reason why UCLA won that championship that they did. I mean, Agreed. So, Agreed. And, and uh, one of the other great athletes, too, and I know Brett put it down there, and it was one that came to mind when we were going over the segment, which was Jackie Robinson, uh, a multiple-sport athlete. Right. We haven't gotten there yet, though. Let's, let's uh, finish off with, with the other hey, players. Go let's put uh, Jackie Robinson in Baron <laughs> Davis, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Gail Goodrich was earlier, uh, Collison, Don McClain. Yes, their all-time leading score was was he was like a man on an island on a lot of those UCLA teams. He's got to be mentioned for sure. Uh, in terms of coaches, John Wooden. Oh, I forgot about Lonzo Ball. Yeah, totally forgot. I think about that's him. okay. We had a ban on ball talk here on the show. Well, I, I all I know is there was a there was a period of time there in sports talk radio where it was hard to not mention. I agree with that. Oh, nightmare. It was the worst. Now you could go on about Jackie Robinson. Sorry. Now, okay, okay, well, Jackie Robinson, multiple sport athlete. How about that? A running back at UCLA on bad UCLA football team at the time. A track star. Uh, you know, Jackie Robinson, you know, everybody talks about him as the baseball player, but they don't often talk about him enough as the athlete. I mean, he's oh, one of the great highlights. Were ridiculous. They, they were incredible. I mean, in a different era where NFL really mattered more in that time. He probably could have been a star NFL player, but, you know, baseball was America's game then, and that's where he ended up in the Negro Leagues playing. And, you know, I mean, Jackie Robbins is a fascinating guy, fascinating life, and one of the great athletes. So everyone talks about Jim Thorpe, greatest athlete on this. You know what? Well, Jackie Robbins is the greatest all-around athlete. How many guys play football, baseball, and do track at the level that Jackie Robinson was able oh, to? Yeah, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, that's the only guy. That's, that's it. probably it. That's always my go-to. <laughs> With athletes, is Bo Jackson. And Bo, uh, did, you see, did you see on Twitter on Jackie Robinson Day? Uh, you probably weren't paying attention. You got a lot going on. But I posted a picture of my signed Jackie Robinson cut that I have. No, I did I did not see that. Um, but a, a few years ago, uh, my dad, who used to run around in Brooklyn, you know, going to baseball games, collecting <laughs> autographs, gave me a stack of all of these just like signed sheets of paper, like little oh. autographs that he's got. And it was probably two or three years ago. And he knew, like, there was good stuff in there. You know, like, he, he knew. But we went through it, and they all go one by one. And then, boom, pulled out. Like, this wow. is as clear as day, Jackie Robinson. Very so cool. got the thing authenticated, and now it's uh, – I, I pull it out every year. It's Jackie Robinson Day and show my kids that, uh, hey, look, here's Jackie it's important. Robinson. It's an important thing in sports. Important I think thing people – yeah, it's really important for the country. Yeah, it's, in, it's, important, it's more important for the country than it is for sports. That's how important it is. And it was important for sports. And you mentioned Bo Jackson. I mean, that's that's the guy for us. And one of the great thrills I ever had was a couple of years ago, I think it was 2015, I was able to uh, get on a baseball field with Bo Jackson and take BP. And actually, I put one out in center field in front of Bo Jackson. I was uh, – that, that moment will never happen again in my whole life. I did it. I was so proud of myself. I was able to get one out there in front of Bo. I don't think Bo cared, but it didn't <laughs> matter. I know that I and, – and watching Bo after numerous hip replacements – take BP, and still, when you got to hold on, I could tell you the sound of the bat hitting the baseball for that man is a different sound. And we were using wood bats. We were like, it was a real kind of deal. This was over, 
uh, FanDuel was hosting uh, one of the, there was the baseball I championship in Vegas. And uh, it was just awesome to just kind of be in the space with him. And the man's legs, Craig, the man's legs are the size of my waist. I've never seen a man with legs that big. Tree trunks this man has. Unbelievable. You ever hear those rumors that he could actually, he said that he could shoot a bow and arrow. You saw that, right, on the uh, yeah. on the 30 for 30 about him. Like he could shoot a bow and arrow with his feet. That's how strong his legs are. That's that's madness. How does, how does a human being do that? I don't know. That's Bo. One of the best ever to do it. Bo yeah. Jackson, for sure. I wish we had seen more of him. That's that's the I, only. I agree. Very, very so tough. So sad. <laughs> All right. We, uh, we'll take a quick time out. And when we come back, what's going on with Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan all of these years not being friends? Is there any chance that they could patch things up, especially as it pertains to two of the greatest players that played on their dream team as well? We'll have that story and a whole lot more. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. Craig and Joe, we're back after this quick timeout. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to the show. Craig and Joe back here with you as we got about 10, 15 minutes to go. And then we'll be back right here tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Sports Grid. The last dance is coming up on Sunday. And I'm sure that a lot of us will be watching that. In fact, I believe we're going to have uh, one of the authenticators who authenticates uh, Michael Jordan memorabilia on a little bit later on uh, in the week actually sent me some funny stuff that we could air on the show, different things that Michael Jordan has signed uh, through the years that he has. It's really some amazing stuff. The fact that you could like figure out what's real and what's not is, is pretty incredible, too. I got a story about that to tell. Uh, but uh, on the subject of, of Michael Jordan, which has really captured a lot of us, and for it's a whole other story, one of the things that has come out of this is the fact that uh, just before the break we were talking that you didn't know, I didn't know either, that Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley have no relationship and haven't had a relationship for about 10 years. And a lot of it stems from Michael Jordan, the executive, with the Charlotte Bobcats. And I guess uh, Barkley, who basically told ESPN that he didn't think that it was that big a deal, but you know Charles Barkley says anything that he wants, which is what makes him probably the best basketball broadcaster that's, that we've ever had. Mm -hmm. It's true. Uh, said that essentially he doesn't see anything changing. He said some things, and Michael didn't like them, and they don't talk. And he's my and you know, Bar you know Barkley's a proud guy too. He's a, mm -hmm. he, the quote was, "Oh, Michael has my number. If he ever wants to call me, he said he's sorry Barkley publicly, uh, but he said it really stinks." And he said, "Did he say it privately?" I guess that's the question. You know, all these public apologies. Call the guy up and apologize. I wonder if he's called the guy up and apologized or, or texted him. I know, but does Barkley need to apologize? No, he doesn't. But the fact that it's his friend, he should. He does. Here's the tough part. Michael Jordan, if you're an executive in the NBA, you're going to take criticism. And if you're going to take it from somebody who hits – hit, if your job is to run a franchise and, and you know that part of that criticism follows – that's part of what you sign up for. I don't understand that if Charles Barkley is doing his job and being a commentator, yeah, he's a little harsh, but like you said, that's Charles being Charles, and that's why he gets paid to be harsh and be the hot take kind of guy that says, says, says crazy things. So he's doing his job, you're doing yours. These are pitfalls of the job. I don't know, when you're 50-something-year-old men, don't you kind of, 
Why don't you put that behind you? Shouldn't you put that behind the you? The egos are astronomical with this, Joe. It, it, se it seems easier said than done. It's something that you and I would do. It's not something that Michael Jordan's going to do. It's not I, something that I feel. And, and I understand that the egos are enormous, but there's also history there, too. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, too. There was a period where these two did not get along. And then the Dream Team, they became very good friends. And they kind of right. I, catch it. I kind of remember seeing something about this long ago. And they were not. I thought friends. Barkley was Michael's biggest advocate. That's he was I, for quite some time. And, and look, I think Michael Jordan is a very sensitive guy. I think part of what and makes he can be this guy like that story that he turned down hundred million dollars for an appearance. Like this guy is just he he owned he basically didn't like getting bothered on the golf courses here in South Florida, and he bought his own golf course so he wouldn't have to be. Like, he yeah. has his own golf course that he just basically gets Well, up. I don't think he any of us can understand what it's like to be Brad Pitt or Michael Jordan or somebody like that who's so famous and so recognizable wherever they go that they have no peace. Uh, there, there's no price tag on peace. There's no, no price tag on privacy. But at the same time, Michael Jordan is a very sensitive individual. It's what made him so good is because he was able to take those things and those wrongs done to him in his life and use them as fire. But I think when you're a 50-something-year-old man, you're sitting on giant piles of money – and your friend calls you out or says something about the job you're doing or bad job you're doing or whatever it is, I think you're allowed to be heard about it. But I think Charles should also probably – let's mend them together. You call him. Call Brett. Brett, I want you to get Charles, Michael Jordan on the show. Let's get them together. Let's have Thanks. a little powwow here. Because we're old, when you're old men, you just bury the hatchet, I don't think. You just say enough is enough. That's I would fine. hope we're so. Done. It would be nice. But, but you know, the thing is, is that, again – it's it's Barkley at some point is still going to say something. I mean, it, it was basically. Uh, Brett says he tried calling them. They didn't answer. Just so everybody on Skype, knows on, on Skype. Skype. Well, because they're very <laughs> they're on Skype all the time. But would, wouldn't you say in fairness to Charles Barkley that Michael Jordan as an owner or part owner? I don't even know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> was an abject, complete and utter failure. Yes. But I think that's in why addition, it hurts and, and with the Wizards as well, right? It hurts Michael Jordan because there's truth in it. Didn't didn't Michael Jordan have to start playing again to make up for <laughs> what was going on? I'm serious with the yeah. Wizards. Yeah, there was there was that going on. But I think that's why it hurts him because he, he he's used it's to being great at things. It's not the same. And you know what? When someone calls you out and there's truth to it, it hurts. When you say things like, you know, to me – about, you know, players that I like in football season, or I say this, and you say, no, you're wrong. You're, it's stupid, whatever it is. And you're right. It hurts. But we're old men, and we get past this. I don't know why don't, that. That would be – that's just – It doesn't have, actually doesn't happen. Last year was uh, overall pretty good, I'd say. It was pretty good. Pretty good year for us, the football and FST. But, you know, I mean – at this point, you're old. You put it behind you. I feel like this is like a curb your enthusiasm bit. Like we're too old to argue. You're too old to be mad at each other. No, Let's but it's just go but play it, golf but that, together. But the debate out. makes it fun. And and look, you got when you're when you when you try to take something on and you're wrong. I mean, the part of media is getting called out for it. And that's Absolutely. It. If you can't own your losses, then it's a pitfall of both of their jobs. It's the honesty of both their jobs. It hurts Michael Jordan because Charles Barkley hit a nerve of truth. That's why it hurts, and he's a sensitive guy. And you know what? Even though Charles is, shouldn't have to apologize, it's your friend. It would be good to say, hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. 
I'm doing my job there, and I know it sucks sometimes. But Barkley has ripped everybody on that Right. Show. He rips, he rips Shaquille himself. O'Neal, they rip Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal rips him back. Shaq right. rips everyone. But they're not Jordan. Jordan's a sensitive guy. He's, he's, very he's, just, he's, he's just a different. It's the thing that made him great. And it's also the things that makes him a bit of an enigma because he is very, very sensitive. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. But it become a it can become a weakness, I think, in instances like this. I just didn't realize how sensitive you were about being wrong. I'm oh, I'm not at all. I'm doing a bit. I, I, I'm not sensitive. If I, please, how many years, you and I? If I was too sensitive for the Craig Mish jabs. I like I, being wrong. I think I think being wrong is great. I enjoy it very much. Well, that, <laughs> I think it so makes for a great conversation. For me, that, for me personally, too. I mean, I love talking about how I fail because <laughs> most people fail at fantasy lounge. sports. I mean, that's well, just what it is. Baseball is your game, right? 70% yeah, failure rate is the best player. And, and even in fantasy baseball, I fail a lot. But it's the failure that makes it fun. I mean, if you can't poke fun at yourself, and I think that's well, not that's just with Michael thing. Jordan. But you have every- to be able to poke fun at yourself. But I think it's harder for guys like Michael Jordan to have a sense of humor. Yeah, about he's him. the one above all because if he's if he is indeed the greatest – athlete of all time which i think that we would probably agree with he doesn't like any any particular well, things being knocked about him yeah well, weakness I, I, is is not something that he's a fond of either but how know? but what, what what could he possibly say about his tenure as an owner in both spots was he no, the, owner was of the wizards i don't even remember who i don't think he was an owner of the who wizards was the president he was, he was some sort of executive i don't remember he was a time. big shot with the wizards the gm, GM. He was the GM. Yeah, he he hired Leonard Hamilton from Miami to be the head coach. It was a disaster. Right. <laughs> yes, he did. Look, oh, didn't uh, he take the big guy? What was it? Kwame? What, what was his name? Kwame Brown. Yes. Kwame Brown. Yeah, did right. not work Wasn't out. that his guy? Yes, I believe so. Brett will verify it for us in a second. I'm yes. sure. Yes. There listen, we go. Listen, I may be a baseball guy, but I remember what all the other stuff that happens. Look, he was a disaster MJ there. Should, should, he was a disaster with up. the Bobcats. Traded Rip Hamilton for Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, that's right. The Jerry Stackhouse. He's trying to bring another scorer there. Oh, man. Jerry Stackhouse. It happens a, a lot. Look, John call. Elway is right now to this point as as the executive of the Denver Broncos. I mean, the jury is out for sure. We don't know. Well, it's not going well. But if, if uh, I don't know, Boomer Esiason gets on uh, on, on CBS and, and rips and John rips Elway. John Elway, John Elway's got to take it. John Elway's got to take it. Does that mean they shouldn't be friends anymore? No. I mean, but they, I mean, I, I think it's also Charles also has a way of words, and, and I think it hurts more coming from your friends. When your friends rip you. Well, that the, may be more of the issue here. I think there's a whole like lot if, of issues. If, if like, um, I don't know, who's like, uh, like if, Paul, is- if Paul O'Neill, if Paul O'Neill <laughs> went on Yes Network and destroyed Derek Jeter for right. owning the Marlins and the things that he's done with the Marlins, Maybe be a little bit different coming from a friend. Maybe that's I think, maybe I think that does, is more. But let's not pretend like Charles Barkley isn't super sensitive either, because he is. So he should know better, and it's okay to say it. But he is, it, but he admits defeat a lot. He loses in game. He says he loses all his money. I know. Gambling. I guess. I guess here's he's the thing: deprecating. He's self-deprecating, but he's also sensitive to you. And I think when you hurt, even if you're doing your job, even if you're telling the truth, and you hurt your friend's feelings, I'm not saying you have to apologize. I'm saying it's the nice thing to do. It's, it's maybe he did. I don't even know. Maybe he did. I'll get public apology. I hate public apologies because that but to some me. people want like, public apologies more than the private. I don't like public apologies. I like you apologizing to me but personally. It's not about what you like. Listen, the the, percept- like. the, the perception, <laughs> Joe, is that if you don't give a public apology, then you're not really reaching everybody that you that you tried to and make I, the impact on when you made the comment. That's what's wacky about it. It's the public apology also can come off as, 
hey guys everybody knows everybody knows i'm the bigger man do you all know you know okay everyone i'm the bigger man i'm the guy i think that's a little frustrating because i think it means more to privately apologize and then publicly say i spoke to michael jordan we're cool i apologize to him it's all good. Like, that's the way to Maybe do it. Maybe he tried to. We don't I hope know so. that either. I, I'm, I'm speculating that he didn't. I hope he did. But regardless, I think we can both agree that today, the MVP of the show is not me. It's not you. It's it's definitely it's definitely our producer, Brett. Don't you think so? I mean, he's got, I, I he's got an MVP today. He's, he's back on you, you don't get to be MVP for one day on this show. we got a long way to go. No, a, but I think every show. now and then of the day. Player of the game. The MVP the game. is is Brett and Danny and Ryan for having to put this rookie, show together. Rookie of the week. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> rookie of the Those week. Those guys are the MVPs. We send sometimes these shows in very late at night. Sometimes they are. They are. But um, in terms of throwing other things in the sheet, fixing our NBA wrongs. They don't even know what that means. The sheet. The people watching the sheet. The sheet. What's the sheet? They they know. The savvy people know the sheet. They know the sheet. They're not they're not noobs. The people watch this show. They know what's going on. I got news on. for you. Savvy people. Not watching the show. <laughs> I think you're wrong. This is a headset. I think we're the hottest. Not thing watching in. the show. I, I'm true. telling you right now, all the views on Sports Grid. I think you're wrong, and I'll tell you what. I can't wait for tomorrow because a random NFL team we're gonna do okay. a random NFL year we're gonna do tomorrow. That's very exciting. So we did 95 Major League Baseball. Who knows? Do you have a year in mind you want to do, or you want me to just throw the randomizer? Yeah. No, Something ahead. from the give me a decade, eighties, nineties, two thousands, seventies. Where do you want to go? Uh, let's go. Um, you did nineties today, baseball. You want to go eighties football tomorrow? Yeah, let's go late eighties. Late eighties football, it is. Yeah. All right, we'll find a year, and we'll do that. But that, yeah, how is... about the Dallas, the Dallas years? Yeah, let's let's knock those out. <laughs> well, I mean. Didn't they win like for five years in a row? Not Jim in the eighties. That was the nineties. Oh, that was nineties. That was 90s. no eighties Cowboys. It just shows you that's how we know we're at the end. That's that's it's today. it's time it's to plug Craig in and recharge him for tomorrow's that's show. It. That's it. He's, sure. he's officially on All the right. road back. So we will be back here tomorrow, eleven a.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in if you're watching on demand. Uh, like, subscribe, and especially if you're watching on YouTube, uh, look right below you. There's this notifications button. Click it. The show gets sent to you every day when it's done. Go right to your phone. It'll say, oh, my gosh, new show's up. Got to check it out. Thanks again to uh, Brett and Danny and Ryan who are handling the show. For my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. That'll do it for Fantasy Sports Today. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. See ya. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.